Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Benchtown TV. This is Jim, and today we have a very special episode for you guys. Fans of our podcast know that we have a very popular series called Pitchtown TV, and a few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of pitching the pilot of The Last Kingdom to the crew. Usually, that would be the end of our coverage, but the crew loved the show so much, and the listeners wanted us to continue, so we decided that we had to cover it season by season leading up to the debut of season five. Today, I'm back with the OG Last Kingdom crew, Luke, Brian, and Dave. Now, I'm the only person who's seen the entire series so far, but I will say Luke loved it so much that he couldn't stop at season one, and he has seen up to the finale of season two, so he's joining me as a Mm semi-veteran. Now, mm -hmm. you guys, you've met Uhtred, you've met Brita, Father Bianca, Young Ragnar, Leofrich, King Alfred, Hild, and so many more. Tell me what you think. Let's do it. I'll start. I'll go right into it. I think every one of those characters you just named is incredible. So I love the the supporting characters. I love the main characters. This has been a phenomenal watch through. I just finished three episodes in a row, and they were the easiest three episodes for me to just binge in a row. I just was so glad that I could just go right into it all. Um, Like I said, every character, for the most part, there was only three that made my, like, absolute hate list out of like how many we had 20 characters <laughs> and that's just saying a lot about the show in itself and the story itself is really cool i love the historical fiction the fights have been incredible unbelievable nothing i've seen before in anything like these kinds of shows so it's been an absolute pleasure and I'm excited to get into season two i'm gonna try and convince you out of one of those characters that i know that you don't like all right <laughs> Is that character Brita, Luke? No, no, it is not. Ooh, okay. Did he tell you already before the pod? No, but I just have a uh, feeling that he really okay. doesn't like a character that I think might be a hot take. But um, yeah. we'll just say here, it's not you hate them based on, you know, again, like acting. It's it's a love to yes. hate kind of thing where yes. it's Joffrey. It's, you know, all those kind of characters. But mm-hmm. Brian hit us. Yeah, I thought this was fantastic. If you've listened to the coverage of the pilot episode, I was raving about it and it just continued. I was dragging my feet just getting into the second episode. We already covered Luke couldn't wait, but I was just like, does it get better than the pilot? I thought that was so good. Luke was like, bro, every episode from here on out is better than the pilot. Keep Mm -hmm. going. And he was so right. Episode five was just absolutely insane. And they didn't really like, go away from the peak there like the last five episodes were just really really action-packed and great i loved meeting uh king alfred in episode Mm -hmm. two because he was not in the pilot he was such an awesome character uh dave you mentioned the historical fiction aspect of it i had like my map of uh saxony out the ancient or the medieval kingdoms whatever like i was looking up the rulers of wessex the family line like i was so into this story (laughs) uh but season one it, it was amazing i love utrid son of utrid utrid the godless just like my boy i yep. have like I, i'm never gonna question him again people try to question him i'm like what are you doing that's utrid son of utrid come <laughs> on <the> homie. <laughs> gotta be kidding me dude you just nailed it man like everything you're saying i just felt this from the beginning like i went into this show wanting to love this show and we're over the game of thrones depression now i'm like opening back up into all this fantasy in my life and damn man this show has been phenomenal but like jimmy said i binged both season one and two soon after we recorded the pitch town in real life a couple weeks ago so mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a little blurry about where the lines you know yeah. what characters were doing so i'm going to do my best to be a little bit less specific so i don't spoil, spoil anything. anything for yeah. you guys 
But like you said, man, these characters are unforgettable. There's a lot of times where there could be like tropey writing of characters making some just predictable decisions and they just always when they swing left when you're thinking they're going right like it it just is well written and it's deserved and another thing that i take away from this show is i think like the vengeful um like feelings you get for wanting revenge for utrid is it's Mm -hmm. almost unmatched in any show some you get completely satisfying conclusions from where he where he gets his guy you know like fuck that dude fuck that joffrey kind of character and other ones we're still looking for but all of it man it's so good it makes you fucking want to run through a wall with utrid he's the man hell yeah yeah i mean honestly i finished the pitch town went oh my gosh i forgot how much i love this show Mm -hmm. went through season one and two like luke so so fast and i was like i have to stop because if we're going to keep covering on the pod i am going to let the lines blur i have to stop and i was not going to stop at Mm -hmm. all and i and i did a hard stop and we probably what we did pitch town maybe three weeks ago or so i was probably done two weeks ago so you know, I've been sitting here for two weeks waiting to continue with our watch, and I still can't because we have to do one more season before I can keep going. But <laughs> so the one thing I do want to bring up is one of the themes throughout the pilot episode, at least for me personally, was saying how cool the Danes were in comparison to the Saxons and just how they were so lame. But like throughout this season, the Danes started slipping up and just their their very blatant flaws started to shine through and why their culture kind of isn't really sustainable and why like the calculated Alfred was able to beat him the way that he was. Yeah. Yeah. Just to follow up with that, I think the Saxons really got flushed out world building wise better than I mm-hmm. would have thought. I think they say the last kingdom talking about Wessex in the pilot. I think we made a big deal about that. And yeah. to me, that felt like so early to start talking about the final frontier that's going to be the base for all of the Saxons. But now it's just making so much sense because we're getting all the surrounding areas. The politics are doing it for me. They're not like too convoluted. They're, you know, Game of Thrones esque. Um, I love all that. And then even like getting the power structures from the Dane side, because I was asking questions, Jimmy, like what would happen if like Alba was taken right. out, like how big of a impact to the whole Dane structure is that And you get a little bit more of that. And man, it just gets better and better. Like season two is just improves upon everything that we already love from season one. So man, this show's just, it's just it. And I love the, the clear setup of events that are happening in season one. Like this obviously focused on Guthrum. Yeah. Guthrum. Yeah. Him and how like, like that was the immediate threat to the, the Saxons. And now like that, that's kind of dealt with, like we already had known that, um, Uhtred's sister was alive and we honestly, I kind of forgot that she was alive and that was a really cool way for them to bring back and can like, just give us a clear route on, okay, this is what's going to be provided in season two. And even with that being said, I think there's still going to be a plenty of politics. Like he still wants to take back Bebenberg. Like he is the rightful mm-hmm. heir to Bebenberg. So politics mm-hmm. are still going to be playing a huge aspect, but now that the Danes are heavily weakened, I'm just very curious to see what their roles are going to be in season two as well, because they've lost Two of their main like fighters are dead with Scorpa and Ubbo are now dead. Oh, and Guthrum, and Guthrum is obviously now converted. Christian. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the Danes can recover from that or if they're even going to appear. If there's going to be a new faction like the Britons, I know we're a thing now towards the end of this season. So maybe they'll have a bigger role. So kind of ranting here, but just absolutely loved season one. Yeah. Going back to the pitch town, you guys were asking about time jumps, uh, traveling, if it was going to be a big deal, if we were going to have teleporting, things like that. And you can see, based on just season one, that they're not teleporting. They're literally doing time jumps. They're making sure it is very accurate with how much time is going by. And 
that's why season one was so crazy because you literally have such a big time jump at one point that it feels like part A and part B or or two seasons in itself. That was one thing that it took me a little bit to get used to is just how often these time jumps happen. Like, you know, one scene you have Uhtred with his pregnant wife, Mildred, and then kind of like two scenes later, the baby's born. And at first I wasn't crazy about that, but it honestly, as you keep watching, it flows very well and the pacing is the same. They do continuously throw in little time jumps, which I'm fine with. It lets character development make a lot more sense, too. I think they did it masterfully. Like I didn't need it thrown in my face. Like, oh, months have passed. I mean, they did mm-hmm. do it a couple of times with Utrid's kid, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And that's needed, of course, every once in a while. But I, I thought it was awesome because you're right. Like it doesn't feel cheap at all. Like right. Game of Thrones devolved into Game of Thrones. When we say teleporting, we mean that they're getting from one spot to another that should take months or a year or even or however long. Mm-hmm. But the characters haven't changed and that you can't tell that they're older now. But for Last Kingdom, they will do a teleport, quote unquote. But you know that a year or something has passed and they show the repercussions of that time being passed, whether it's a child growing, whether it's Uhtred being wiser, whether they're actually telling you it's later in the in the history, you know, years later, months later, whatever it is. Character development is happening during these time jumps. And it's not just saying, all right, we're in Wessex and now we're jumping all the way over here. And what's good, guys? You having fun? You know, it's good. It's accurate. Yeah, I agree. But one nitpicky thing I do want to bring up that I noticed specifically in season one, it gets better in season two. But I was pretty confused a lot of the times when we're talking about like high military scenes about the amount of troops on each side. Like sometimes 50 troops, they say, like is enough to take over a castle. And then other times, like we're talking like 100. Like I, I didn't think they did a really good job of portraying exactly like how strong it was always just talking in terms of relative strength like oh the danes they're going to outnumber us rather than Mm -hmm. like giving us hard numbers like game of thrones did a little bit of a better job of that but i do think season two that was like a complaint i wrote after season one in my notes but i do think season two gets a little bit better at that Mm -hmm. so it's just like kind of season one complaint i guess but i didn't know did that feel weird to you guys at all or did you feel like you always had a grasp at, at military strength Yeah, I was almost going to say quite the opposite because most times they like went out and defined it. There was always like a scout coming in to Alfred's council being like they have 50 men and they're like, oh, I think we have like 75, 60, whatever. We outnumber the 50. So they would always define it with like a scout whispering in the ear or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they would just know whether or not they were above that number. I'll play devil's advocate and say in points, yes, in like scouting reports, like, you know, um, when they're in the swamps, uh, Utrecht sees, sees the ships and he's like, there's must be 20 yeah. of them at least. And they right, say a thousand right. men. But like for the battle in the final episode, the Saxons start off with 400 and then like the reinforcements don't show up and then they do show up, but they don't tell us like, oh, this many of number of people are How here to help we're us. Getting. Right. Yeah. Right. Like they didn't really tell us what the advantage was based like yes. what they needed for the troops to get yeah. that advantage. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. That was a small nitpick. I agree, but it didn't bother me at all. Whenever they define the number, like they would react either positively or negatively. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, like Jimmy said, we don't know exactly what the gap was, but we would know that they did outnumber or did not. Yeah. So I, I guess thought my they bigger, did a good my job. Complaint, I guess know. came from like the, I guess, like, I don't know who has how much how many troops is Bebenberg worth? Like, if you were to call them to arms, I don't really understand. I don't right, have a good right, grasp, right, right. I guess, in my head of how much strength that would add and like what that would mean for fights. So I'm just kind of taking it at face value. Like, 
all right, 50 men versus 40 men. That's fine. But I was just saying it's mm-hmm. different than how other shows have done it. Yeah. And it yeah. gets better in season two. Mm-hmm. That part of the military tactics or what have you, you may question, but everything else mm-hmm. about the military, how it's depicted in this show, I, I it was just doing it for me. All the battle scenes were awesome. It, I, I mean, the Uhtred versus Ubba one-on-one was... Uh, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I was raving about that one battle sequence in the pilot episode, which may still be the best fight sequence of the show. I'm trying to think about it. Like one-on-one f- fight sequence? No, no, you said just no, like no, he's battles, saying the battle you know. scenes. Yeah. Well, I'll say that, okay, so we're going for realism here. Yes, probably. But the final battle scene of season one, when Scorpius shows up with Isolde's head and... Mm. Uhtred, whether we're going with realism here or not, goes right through and just starts killing people. And then he it's Bianca that throws the spear. <laughs> yeah, right? dude, yeah. Bianca with the assist. My gosh. Now, again, the realism part of it, it's very tough for Uhtred to be able to go into that army and not get sliced up. But awesome, awesome, badass scene to finish the season. I quick, love quick pause, though, real quick. This is for Brian and Dave. Do you guys recognize Isolt's actor from other shows? Mm, they assaults didn't scream anything when I saw her. Like you, she was yeah, very you pretty. Should. You should fucking <laughs> Dave for a fact should know. I don't yeah, know. Harry, should Potter, know. Harry Potter mentioned recently. Like was she in Harry? Well, Potter? that's uh, Father Bianca. That that's Ian Hart. He's he is Quirrell, Quirrell. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Uh, is, no, I like do not know. Line. <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's the man. Beatons, did you watch all of Peaky Blinders? No. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, well then, you, you're, wait, wait, yeah, wait. you're not gonna know her then. Come on, Dave, you got this. Who is it? Who is it? Reveal. It's the communist that Tommy hooks up with in the last two seasons. She's oh, really? Um, I forget her name. She's got, got short hair. hair. Let me look yeah. her up. Look her up. Yeah, I'll look I forget her, up. her name, but I would. Yeah, I didn't catch that. No, dude. I think she killed it in the last kingdom. I thought she was so good for Uhtred, man. I was all in on her. I, I ditched the what was her name? Mildred was the first mm-hmm. wife that had her, mm-hmm. his kid. I ditched the love for her quickly. I did like her more than. Brita, Brita. yeah, I thought that was better because Brita and Young Ragnar just make way more sense. But in terms of relationship, I'm I was definitely all about Isolde, and I was so fucking mad when Scorpa looks her in the eye. I did not. I thought she was. uh, I just. I didn't think she. You thought she was staying. Yeah, I really thought she had the plot armor. It was going to be like a torture kind of thing or something. You should have. You should have learned from the very first episode that no one is safe. But let me just jump in and say it's Jesse Eden. Jesse Eden is her name. Yeah. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, I'm taking a look at her right now and you could you could tell right away, but she does have short hair and Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those things when I was first watching it, I was like, damn. And you guys hadn't seen it. So and I try not to look it up. I just want to think of it myself. And I'm like looking at her and I'm like, damn, I know this actress. Who the hell is it? Her face. I had to look ring, it up, to be honest. Did not <laughs> ring any bells for me. But what yeah. I'll piggyback off of what Luke was saying, too, with Isolt is I had it written down like after she got introduced and she was giving those kind of visions I that I knew she was going to die. I just didn't expect it to be this soon. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. was unfortunate because I did really like her. I was hoping maybe next season we get a little bit more of her. But the way she was murdered was honestly kind of cool. like it was great for the show. Yeah terrible for us as like viewers and like how much we like her but sticking with Isol, i want to ask you guys real quick and i don't think i should answer because i think i have a little bit too much information but what do you guys think about the idea that was Isol's power actually like real and tangible or is this like in the realm of religion and we're kind of just like background subtle soft magic like what do you think is there going to be any supernatural twist to the show based on what you saw in season one um 
I think there will be. I think so. The first half of the season, the only real magic we get is um, Stormy. Uh, the story up, story Abba's <laughs> guy Stormy. And he he He's does not Jenner. like everything he did did not really come true to me like what he was was not, he was he, he wasn't was just, actually yeah. magical to me it didn't seem like but when Isolt comes into the story like she knew everything was going to be planned out like how it was it to me and that felt more real than what story was doing and I did pick that up too that she actually was a magical being. I had that read in my notes too. So I would be interested if they bring it into season two or like the future seasons that there is a somewhat magical aspect to it, but I have no idea. Um, I did like the idea of it though. Yeah. The only thing I can explain is how she healed Alfred and Aylesworth's son. Yeah. Jimmy's uh, girlfriend. <laughs> Jimmy's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Nah, that's Alfred's for sure. She was rocking that's that like, <laughs> underbraid, like wrapped yeah. around her face and tied underneath. I was like, wow, that was that was the style back in the day. Whew. Talk anyway, about a hateable character, though. Yeah, we'll get yeah, to these hateable characters soon. I looked up uh, IMDb. She has the most episode credits of the series. She does. Which is well, you should have done does that. What the, the fuck, bro? Yeah, why would you do that? I don't you know, know why I would do that. I don't know. Don't even tell me. I'm not <laughs> even. Ple- I'm not. No yeah. I think she's I'm not PC safe. I don't care. She's not on the front lines or whatever. Uh, well, anyway, does it become like the Ailes with show? That's what I'm wondering. She's got more shush, than Utrid. The Ailes with show. Talking. Hell yeah. Stop um, I mean, if I'm just going to talk about season one in a vacuum here, just like you're saying, Brian, when it comes to Isolde's quote unquote magic, She's having these, again, quote unquote, visions, and we're obviously not seeing them on screen. She could say whatever the hell she wants. And if they come true, they come true. If they don't, they don't. But the kid being saved and then the repercussions of that are very unexplainable to just like chance to me. Mm, Yes. See, I, I, I agree with that. But as I'm watching season one, like I still feel like it doesn't need to dive deeper than to than to subtle magic like that. Like this show. No, no, I don't either. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Like it well. doesn't need to be. I, even made I don't need people. I hope fireballs. there are no supernatural forces, if I'm being honest, because it's like supposed to be real life. Like it's supposed to be about things that actually happened. And there wasn't actually sorceresses that actually had magic. Allegedly. Yeah. Now, who am I to say? Okay. But yeah, you even brought up the repercussions of her healing the child. Like, that's another thing. She could have just saw the dead kid. That was the repercussion. I told exactly. you, Utrid. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think there's anything. What happened? How did the kid get better? That's the only thing. Although she was shown to be a legitimate healer because she made an herbal mm-hmm. remedy for Alfred. So. I just think I it's, it's I, less traditional medicine that might get looked down of. It could be ingredients, you know, right? Yeah. Christians are sometimes crazy. Yeah. So I think that, again, it can be all coincidence and stuff. But mm-hmm. the fact that she heals Alfred's son and then, you know, she's crying at the end and says some innocent is dead. And then later, Uhtred goes back to his estate and we find out that. Utrid, son of son of son of Utrid, is now dead. And, you know, when they walk in, she says to him, there's nothing but pain for you here. We're supposed to assume that it was a life for a life. Now, if that didn't really exist, then I'm still fine with all of it being chance. Like she could have just been a healer and brought the kid back to life. 
And now I don't need to talk about magic. And I still don't really need to talk about magic too much, but it just seems like the fact that they have Alfred's son live and Uhtred's son die. It just seems like it was like a sorceress kind of spell thing. And I agree with Luke. I would be fine with it if that's as like as magical as it gets in this world, like because there is clearly a cost of using this kind of magic. So it's not mm-hmm. like everyone's just out there doing this. So I would be fine with just subtle magic like this. I'm definitely I- open to either scenario where we do dive deeper into it or not but to me it just doesn't feel like they planted that many background seeds that haven't been sowed yet because it's like this is it is just it's pretty obvious front and center of what is going to be connected to so-called magic that was shown in season one Mm -hmm. so to me it feels like there should have been a little bit more because then like if danes are out here like coming in season three and shit and like they have like actual like abilities to change like weather patterns and stuff that that feel would feel out of place to me right right I, i could go either way and i'd be happy either way but i will say my terrible person for being a little happy when Uhtred's son was like dead because I didn't want yes. that tie down to Mildred. I felt like, <laughs> no, I felt like that yeah. would have sucked. It was, it's too early to tie Uhtred down with a kid to a character that we clearly are never going to like that much, right? Like, well, look, like, some reason... Uhtreds are expendable. Remember Uhtred's <laughs> older brother? He Uhtred used to be the younger, Uhtred. yeah. <laughs> he used to be, didn't he used to be Oswald or something? Boom, he was just like, good, now Osbert. you're Uhtred now. <laughs> Osbert, <laughs> even worse, my God. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about this really quick, because this is very character development E for Uhtred when we have this situation where he basically throws his relationship with Mildred away and also leaves his son. And, you know, we obviously find out when his son is dead and when he sees his son that he cared for him and and he's regretful and things like that. But going from episode five when he's the man and he thinks he is the savior of Wessex killing Ubba. And he thinks, you know, people will praise me. People will just speak of it. And it is fine. I don't need like Leah Fritch, who we'll get into later because he's the freaking man too. Oh my God. Um, really the man. But, you know, he says, you need to go to Alfred right now and you need to tell him what you did. And, and Uhtred's like, no, they'll speak of it. I need to go see my son and my wife. And he goes to see his son and his wife. And then he gets summoned to Alfred and he's totally shocked that basically Ada the Younger took all of the praise and all the glory and he pulls his sword out in the church you know this is when Uhtred is like I am done with the church I am done with Mildred because she's so holy I'm done with my son this is ridiculous and he goes on a rampage I think killing off the child was a good decision. I wouldn't have expected to see him later on either way. I just feel like they really did a good job of dropping that story. They were just like, look, they clearly don't get along and they really have no interest in each other. Like, sure, there was some young love at first, but he clearly was like, okay, we're just never going to meant to be because I will never view your God as my God and so on and so forth. So I like the idea of them just kind of throwing her away honestly. did you think that he was being too harsh though how it ended though like so i'm saying he went through all that shit and he says i hate the church now and then he goes and he does what he does i mean he kills the guy he could have been a little told- oswald he was gonna kill him though he said oh yeah no, as he a fool did. again yeah. i'll kill you and he was like okay he said i'll like it too <laughs> yeah and he does it right Legend. in front of mildred like no sorries no stuff for sorries in yeah. a sack bro none of that you know and she just sees him as a different person and he basically 
becomes that person. He knows that she thinks of him as that. So he becomes that and just says, we're, we're done. We're not. There's going to be no connection anymore after this just happened. Yeah, he dips a little bit for sure, like in a moral way and just how I think everybody thinks about him besides like the homies, like Leo Fritz yeah. and stuff. But uh, he's like he's no Jon Snow, right? Like he's not like freaking basically. Yeah, he's not pure and yeah, exactly. exactly. And yeah. I, I think it's perfect because he has been wavering morally as like, is he really like doing things for good? Is he just completely selfish? Is he just a warrior Dane or is he like a, you know, reputable Saxon that he wants to be in leader of Bevenberg and stuff like all of that's great. And I think it's, it's interesting that they are going to shove him down a little bit morally in season one. We're going to get negative character growth. I would call it for right. it to make up for four seasons ahead of just how much time there is for him to grow into uh, what I imagine is just going to be like the fucking King or something of everything. Cause he's, he's the goat. Yeah. I mean, he's not the knight in shining arm. Yeah. And that's what Mildred wanted him to be. Like she is who she is. She's mm -hmm. holy and she is very devout and she's such a pure heart pretty much. Yeah. And he is Uhtred. He is not the knight in shining armor. Yeah. Well, I don't really think he, he cared that she was a follower of the Christian faith or anything like that. It was when she like made sure that they were going to baptize the son and tried to like put her faith onto him is when he was just like, no, like it's mm -hmm. not happening. We're both going to do our separate things. What I do like is how the show kind of pokes fun at both sides, mm -hmm. respective faiths. I mean, story, they depicted him as like the, the sorcerer, if you will, kind of a spiritual leader for the Danes. And he was just a complete con artist. Yeah. Uh, Isolt was like a little bit better, but you know, story is who I, is who I picked for the Dane side. And then that one scene where it was a uh, Guthrum and Abba, and they were torturing, uh, I think his name was King Edmund. He was, for lack of a better term, the second to last kingdom that falls. Right. And they go in and they're just torturing this dude. This is the arrow scene, right? Yes, it's yes. the arrow scene. But they poke such fun at it because he was just like, oh, that's a picture of St. Sebastian. Like they tried to execute him by arrow, but then God shielded him and the arrows couldn't penetrate him. And they were just like. Okay, so what you're saying is you trust that God will intervene on your behalf and these arrows won't go through you. Let's let's try it. He's like, well, hold on. <laughs> I surrender. And it was just like poking such an obvious fun at the Saxons, you know, blind faith. Mm -hmm, yeah. However, they also make it very obvious that this is where King Alfred is getting the entirety of his strengths. So it's like. I guess what I'm getting at is the way that religion is being depicted in this show is probably more captivating and interesting than in any other show that I've ever watched. And that makes sense because these are actual religions. So they're already fleshed out. They just have to make a show about it. It's not like the sparrows or whatever in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Well said, man. I think the religion is done incredibly. And I will not say it's better than Midnight Mass, though. Pound for pound, I would say Midnight Mass handles everything pretty damn well. But mm -hmm. Kathleen would still absolutely hate it, like as part like she just would because it's just too much of a plot. Yeah. yeah, it's way too much. But I want to use this as a segue to talk about Alfred, because I think he is such a freaking interesting character. And I think I've heard Dave like say you, you're you're a fan, right? You like oh, Alfred. OK, it's obviously Uhtred. Let me just do it right now. Uhtred, <laughs> obviously Uhtred, number one, Leo Frick, then Alfred. Like I that's and, crazy. like I think that would be like a tier in its own like and then we get the rest of my characters in that which mm -hmm. are you get uh young ragnar hell regular, yeah like regular old ragnar who dies in episode one <laughs> regular and old Ragnar. I, I just like <laughs> split them it's like i couldn't just, like 
whatever the same and then biaka is the the honorable mention fifth father biaka is the freaking man i'll, I'll put him at the top for myself but, but i just wait I, above utrid no no no. i mean like in the top tier Got top you. tier i think yeah but I, uh what we're talking about is alfred and i think his character is so unique to me i just i love the frailty behind him and the genius that lurks behind him the fact that he's always wanting to write things down because he knows that history has to be told for generations to come so we can learn from Dude. our mistakes like his speeches are amazing too like i think he is a real scene stealer for me when he's talking no matter how small it is for me like even if he's just talking about the like his dying child i thought he just absolutely slayed those scenes and was just such a such an amazing character and i was so worried that ethelwald was gonna fucking kill him and i was gonna fucking <laughs> freak out if he actually did he she's the sword and he doesn't which i was really happy about but alfred goat definitely there's my rant <laughs> <laughs> brian the scene where guthrum walks in to king alfred's office with uh young ragnar and burita and he was Agarwal. just like what are these like this is this is magic right here yeah. these are words without sound like it was just him understanding the concept of written language and how powerful it could be mm -hmm. And I think that scene is where Guthrum had such a respect for King Alfred. And he was finally that's probably one of the reasons why he decided to get baptized. And like he turned in right when he saw the English forces coming at him. He looked at young Ragnar and was just like, no, they're God. They're, like they got me. Yep. Guthrum is so, is is he in season two? Can I ask? Because I'm still not alive. telling you. I mean, he's not dead. Yeah. Well, there I'm you know, whatever. Dead. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> he's a very interesting character is yeah. what I was saying. The last thing I want to say about Alfred before we move on from, to Guthrum, if we want to, is that I just really love the logic that Alfred has is that he's always listening to both sides. Sometimes there are those moments where, you know, of course, Uhtred kind of comes in guns a blazing and that literally kind of pushes him down more so. But Alfred is always willing to listen to both sides and actually takes time to think about the consequences of each and that's just why i love him as a character and he's not afraid to be like courageous and brave even though he knows he's not as physically strong as everyone else so hats off to that guy he's great my expectations for him as a character were wow. were like crushed like i thought he mm -hmm. was way better than what i thought he was going to end up being um one thing i want to ask about him though specifically is they mentioned it in the in the first couple episodes about like his whole immunocompromised like body thing going on. To me, that felt like that was going to play way more of a role. And I guess it does play out in how he gives his son the weakness, if that's what we're supposed to take from it. But do we think this is going to be more than just like a background kind of like he's a little bit weaker? He probably won't live that long. That's how I think of it. it like I could see him very much dying early on, not from maybe like a battle wound, but maybe from his own health complications. I agree I that they didn't maybe emphasize it that much in season one, but you, I think it's emphasized enough in just the way he looks and how skinny he is. And yeah, like, like we, he did have scene and, and he did weird. have the stomach issues too towards the end, which kind of makes sense. Like mm -hmm. if the more stress he's under, he's kind of not being able to his body can't work as well. So go ahead, Beats. I'm sorry. Are you saying you're kind of like surprised that there aren't more obvious repercussions? Like he's limping or has mm. to like walk with yeah. a crutch. I I think what it's supposed to be is that he is just so like he's visibly frail when you see him. You're like, okay, he is a small man. But like when you go to the negotiation room with like these giant Danish warrior king, like Abba, and you sit down and you can command the respect of the person sitting across from you when you know all they listen to is violence and brute strength. Like he, 
it makes it that much more difficult for him to be heard by his adversaries. And on the flip side, for him to command the respect of his own soldiers, like he is not a warrior king. He cannot like charge into battle like Uhtred. Mm -hmm. It took all of his like everything to give that uh, speech to like hype them up in the final battle. And it was because Uhtred was just like, yo, it's not a sermon. Keep God out of it. Like blood, guts, glory, revenge. That's what you got to sell these men on. Um, yeah. But I think that's what the frailness <laughs> is, is that like he's just it, it it makes him that much harder to have this image of a ruler. Because when you think of a king, you know, they're they're prideful. They're big. They got mm -hmm. shining armor, big cocks. You know, do you envision that we pretty much are hitting the like basically that's how it's going to be treated going forward? Because I agree. Everything you said there makes sense to me. And that is shown through the show pretty in a pretty good way. Do you think there's it's ever going to get deeper? Like, do you think it will be a plot point or it's just kind of going to fade into the background as just part of his character? Uh, I think what Dave said, if he gets sick, he's probably more susceptible to shit like that. Anytime there's a battle, I think he's less likely to get injured because he is frail. So they would only bring him in like mm. if they know it's OK. And now that you know I'm thinking I mean? about it, I think they do like, have another scene that addresses it a little bit when he says he wants to be seen out there on the horse yep. with the men. And that's kind of. That falls right he to what always, you're saying. And that's nothing. Yeah. He, he always addresses his flaws and he knows that the people are aware of them and that he wants to use those weaknesses to inspire his people. Mm -hmm. Just a great person. I would say for every four decisions he makes, three of them are good for Utrecht. Yes. So that's that's how you can. Yeah. You know, he's, he's always in the green. Even and the I, bad ones, though, are more just like a parent trying to teach him a lesson. Like when he gave him the, the farmstead the without yeah. telling him about the dead, it was. That's your penance, bro. Well, you don't I want mean, to be a Christian. I'm no, gonna I was give you pissed. Your I was pissed at that. Yeah, to be honest. he's a I was thinking a man. Too. He's a thinking man, and he knows. And Leah Fritz told him, like, if he wants Utrid, he's going to have Utrid, and mm -hmm. it depends on how it's going to be. But he's going to use his means and his intelligence to keep Utrid as his sworn man, whether it's the debt situation or you know other situations that come up. But I will say, and this isn't a spoiler or anything, but. If you do rewatch season one, we obviously have at the end of season one, Isolt is giving him her own healing potions, if that's what you want to call them, for his stomach issue. And throughout season one, they are talking about him having stomach issues. And if you do a rewatch and pay attention in your first watch, you might just think it's kind of like how he just holds himself and it might just be like his reaction to stress or something. But he does hold his stomach a lot, like really? he's in pain, kind of. and. You know, think about it. I mean, it, however many years ago, you know, people died from diarrhea, you mm -hmm. know, so like yeah. stomach issues could be what the issue is for him in season one. Like, you know, they talk about how he wants to eat meat. And at first you're, they're saying, well, you're a martyr. You have to you know, you're eating your whatever they're calling it, broth or something. And then as soon as she gives him the potion and his stomach gets better, his wife is like, why are you freaking eating meat, bro? And he's like, I wow. feel good. I didn't do I didn't do a good job of paying yeah. attention to that. So at one point he's talking about it like it's like his penance. Like he's like, I'm not going to eat meat because I can't eat meat and I'm being devout. But then he feels better and he can digest it and it doesn't hurt his stomach yeah. because of mm -hmm. Isolt's potion. And now he is eating meat, you know, so that's the kind of stuff that a rewatch really does great for you. And just one thing I'm kind of questioning to myself, I don't need an answer is just. Will they have that potion now that Isolde's gone? Like, do they remember what the ingredients were? And if they don't have that potion going forward, the one thing I want to comment on is we've already talked about like the mini time skips, like the very like few month time skips that they'll throw at us. Like 
those collectively over time, the more they keep happening, the more susceptible Alfred is to being weaker and weaker in those time skips. So I wonder if maybe next season they'll emphasize it a little bit more as those many, many time skips keep going on. Mm-hmm. What was your first question? Was oh the potion? Was I have no potion. idea. Yeah, that was just like me just kind of t- talking to myself, just like is I the mean, potion going to still be there? They're great notes to have. Um, mm-hmm. A couple segs that I want to have here for Alfred. I want to ask the the newbies. I guess I can't really ask Luke as much, but no, I think I still can ask you, Luke. But um, the rooks here, we have Alfred, and he's the thinking man, and we have you know Utra goes to Alfred. After shit hits the fan with trying to get Bevenberg or make his statement to Bevenberg in the very first episode, we're talking about in this pitch town. Who's the big dog villain here? Mm-hmm. Who's the big dog? Is it going to be Sven and Kiartan or is it going to be his uncle? When's he going to take care of this? And Alfred figures out a way to keep him as a sworn man and he's keeping his oath. And season one hardly has either of them in it. I could not believe it. I really could not yeah. fucking believe it. <laughs> Didn't have Kjartan and Sven and Alfred, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, nah, I think they're doing a good job of compartmentalizing the antagonists here. I mean, season one, he was thrust in a situation where he needed to align himself with Alfred. Alfred needed to take care of Abba and the Danes. So that's what Uhtred was busy doing, along with everything that came with that. Mm-hmm. Now that that's taken care of, he finally has time to accomplish his own goals. And that means going up north to Bevenberg and taking on Elfric, Kjartan, and Sven, because they're all around. Mm-hmm. They're all up north. They're all in Northumbria. So I think those are going to be at least the first antagonists of this season. And now he has reason for urgency now that he knows Tyra is alive. So he's going to be getting up north ASAP. And it wasn't just about acquiring time for himself. He obviously needed money. And men, because he knows Kjartan has at least a squad of people with him that will fight for him. So he also needed to build that trust in season one with the the Saxons so he could get that army as well. Like, I am beyond happy that they did it like that. The reason Mm -hmm. I was so surprised about it is because it's very risky for a show to do that because they spent multiple like the first two episodes was really about setting up the hatred for these characters and for them not to come back, knowing you're going to kick that can down the road for a future season. That was the riskier part because normally when it's like that, you know, you think slow burn, we're going to do all this world building, but it still felt like we were going pretty much on gas the whole time. And we weren't even dealing with the people that we thought were going to be the antagonists. So like having that down the road and like, I think that's just really good, you know, seed planning. I always say that like, because it's going to pay off and it's going to be worth it. Cause I hope Utrecht's hatred is still as high as mine was from that freaking pitch town because I wanted to kill everybody. <laughs> and the riskiness is not only kicking it down the road, but not even showing them on our screens in yeah. season one. Mm. Yes. And again, like you said, Luke, so much shit's going on that we're not really thinking about it just because we're like, all right, Uchard, take care of what you got to take care of, do your thing. But at the same time, when it ends, you're like, oh, wait, we like didn't see Kiart and Sven or Alfred at all. Yeah, when when they season. said when they said your sister's still alive at the end, I like I had the pause for literally like a second in my mind. Like, oh, my God, he totally has a second. And I thought that was like, like B. Tom says, they compartmentalized it very well to the point where it's like I didn't like forget about them. But it, I was just like so 
distracted with what was going on now and now that we have this set up for season two it's like oh hell yeah let's just send me right into it mm-hmm. i think that was the biggest twist for me of the season was like just the way sven talked to her too like completely just surprised me like she's just a prisoner that's just she looks like she's just you know malnutrition like she's got so much going on that i when i remember seeing this at the end of season one because i have a little bit more information now i just could not guess where it was going to go and it's great that Uhtred now knows, right? He did find out in here. I'm not ruining yes, that. Yes, okay. yes. So he does now know. <laughs> yeah, that was that, that was one of my favorite lines is the Father Biaka return. Uh, the when, he's like, your sister's like being a whore basically for all the men up north, and then Father Biaka comes in. And he's like, didn't your mom learn to keep her legs closed or something like that? He's like, yeah. I'm coming for you first. Mm, yeah, so I was like, and that yeah, dude, and then Al- Biaka. Alfred's <laughs> like, you need to wash your mouth out. And he's like, I will. Well, some ale. ale. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Love that. Love Father that. Bianca, Bianca, man. My always boy. Always being so willing to let Uhtred not be religious is the best part about him. Like, he's so devout. I think he's just very patient. You know, he's just like, he's I think just out. Al- he's Alfred's hype, man. Like, it just makes so much sense. And he, just the way he treats Uhtred's the best because, like, that bond of him raising him matters more to him than the religion almost. And that's just crazy because of his character type. He's very patient. You know, I, I think he thinks that Uhtred will eventually come around. And that's why he's able to be patient with him and he also knows him obviously from a young age and he knows what kind of person he can be and even the line at the very end where he's like you have become the man i've always wanted you to become and that was awesome hearing because they had gotten into some heavy quarrels earlier in the season especially because Mm -hmm. of alfred and the religion thing but hearing him say it at the end too was so amazing father biaka top five character yes sir yeah, if I mean, if we're gushing about Father Biaco, I'll join in. The one scene <laughs> where it was Alfred, Brother Asser from uh, the yeah. guy they picked up yes, when they yes. went to Cornwallum, and it yeah. was just the three of them. And Bianca and Osser were kind of contentious with each other. And I think they were both trying to curry favor. And eventually, like Osser was talking shit on Uhtred and Bianca was just like, listen, I know he doesn't have any morals. Like, let me be his morality. He is a good man. He has a good soul. Like, he doesn't have the connection to God, but I do. Let me be his conduit. I'll follow him onto the battlefield. Like, that's my guy. And then King Alfred looked at Axer and was just like, I would like you to be my first messenger. And he reaches out the hand and puts it on the shoulder like Bianca told him to do. It will embolden then, I'm sure. (laughs) So he did it. Dude, Bianca is just, I think he's on Alfred. Him and Alfred are two, three for me. I agree with you, Jimmy. He's he's in my top tier characters. Hell yeah. Now that we're already at this point, we might as well just keep rounding out the, the favorites. I was just going to say, can we do True. Leo Frick next? If we're talking yes. about characters that love <laughs> Uhtred like us, let's do Leo Frick because, wow. Mm-hmm. Obviously, first introductions to him, hated him, but the slow connection, the nickname of Arsling, like every time he says Arsling, I just get like a little tickle down my smile. Like, I love this. I love their yeah. connection and like feel it in your loins. Yeah, and especially when they're like they don't see each other for a few days, and they, the first thing they do is just start shit talking each other, and it's just like and I they hug right a, after. Yeah, and it's what a relationship of bros, man. Yeah. He grew on me the quickest out of any of the characters, I would say. He's so he's so definitely number two for me, like Uhtred and yeah. Bridge, and man, like his send off just was so sad, Ugh. like in the whole Ugh. Game of Thrones trial by combat thing they had going on, but just the way Dude. he grew to respect Uhtred was just so it, it was like the soul of season one honestly just like how because you we were like the audience like you you just kind of had to gain the respect 
of like what he was going to set out to do and eventually become this leader, this actual political power. Like he needs to gain this respect. And he and Leo Fritsch was the perfect example because he was the polar opposite of him, just like was basically born to hate him because he's thinking he's a he's a Dane at this point. And just like their couple of battles, he respects him as a warrior and like how badass he is and like willing to risk it all for like his goals and stuff. And just like by the end, he was such a bro. He's like he, he gives him a way out of the execution yeah. because he respects him so much and just how that makes us as audience members feel about Utrecht himself, because we all respect Leo Fritsch. Yeah. It just worked so well. And it just tore my heart out at the end. Sorry. I'm going to go on a little rant here, but honestly, my favorite non fighting scene of the entire season was it was episode seven. I believe when it, they are in that room when they're deciding Utrecht's fate and Leo Frick is telling everything that happened as truth, but he also gives him the twist like look this is my best friend i want to be the one to kill him and like the, not only was he great i thought alfred was amazing in that moment like utrid's rage and hatred in that moment was really well done so that was one of my favorite scenes and my stomach i kid you not when i was watching this episode i felt like i was going to throw up because i did not want them to fight in the slightest <laughs> like i felt terrible for both of them because and based off what Isolt had said too about the fight that he was going to win. I was like, I am not ready for Utra to just stab Leo Frick. And I, I'm and glad that he him, didn't, yeah. but we end, he ended up dying anyway. But I was literally sick to my stomach. I didn't want to watch that fight happen. <laughs> and it didn't, thankfully. So the reason they had to do the trial by combat or whatever is because Utrid interrupted prayers. Yes, just because he came in guns a blazing. No, it was and there's two times he basically goes on trial. The first time is for essentially those reasons. The second time is for like young Ada is basically trying oh, to get yes, him killed yes, yes. Sorry, for sorry, killing sorry, sorry. the guy. And there was some other reason. It wasn't just about killing the guy. There was some other political thing. Also. No, no, no. This is when this is when they were going on the raids and they were acting as Danes and Leah Fritch has oh, yes. pretty yes. much dimes yes. them yes. out. Yep. Leah right. Fritch dimes them out because Ada told him. And then the whole thing about Leah Fritch being his boy, he's like, listen, dude, Ada could have had anybody right, else right, right. dime you out, but I'm going to dime you out and I'm going to ask for trial by combat and I'm going to give you a quick death because yes. I'm better than you, which was badass too. Legend. Still love the confidence. Yeah. I mean, that's what I want to ask you guys, because you get to this point, right? And you love Leah Fritch, and obviously you love Utrecht. And even the scene where they sit down at the bar or whatever, when they're having ale, and Izzel tells him, like, you should talk to him. Because at first, Utrecht's like, you're, you're not my friend or whatever. And Leah Fritch's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But then he goes and talks to him, and he's like, Utrecht, I'm better than you right now. I am going to kill you. <laughs> but but I just want you to know that I'm doing it. I hope you know that I'm your friend, pretty much. I want to give what you the warrior's death. Your guys, yeah, what is going through your guys' mind right now? Do you think there's going to be some way they get out of this? Do you think this fight is going to happen knowing that we literally have all these people that just die in the show? Like, what were you thinking? I mean, I was hoping, hoping, hoping that there would be like a door three presented. And then that door three was presented by Alfred. And then when Utrid refused him because he's so freaking stubborn, I was just like, Utrid, dude, this is Leo Fritsch. You're mm -hmm. one of you is going to die if you had to fight. And then they make him fight. And when it was game on, I was just like, nothing can happen now. They're fighting. They're scrapping unless Alfred's just like, just kidding. Don't deal the final blow, <laughs> which that does not seem like Alfred's bag. He seemed pretty serious. He had his adult face on. So like when that fight was started, I thought only one guy was going to live through it. And then, you know, the Danes raided and I was like, thank God. 
Door four, baby. I was waiting for you to say door, door four. four. Yeah, I was waiting for you to say door four. But yeah, yeah, I totally, I really thought that because of what Izzel was saying and that I already at this point in time had really a lot of faith in her abilities to see the future. And when she confirmed that you should go over there and talk to him, mm-hmm. I was like, that's it. Like, he's going to kill him. And like Pete Tom said, I was really hoping that that, that third option was going to be able to save both of them. And it wasn't. And then we got the fourth option, which I was really happy about. Um, but yeah, I was sick to my sick to my stomach, man. I like I said, I I, I don't think I would have actually watched them kill each other. <laughs> would have cried. For Alfred yeah. couldn't. I mean, there's a couple segs again. I already said I wanted to go off Alfred for a couple forks in the road to talk about a couple different things. But for this, one of the big things that I wanted to talk about here was how well they do in eight episodes making you care about characters, developing these characters in one or two episodes. We're talking about Izzel, that we love her. She was in two episodes. He literally meets her and and she dies within two episodes. I mean, we haven't even talked about Ethelwald yet. We talked about Alfred and Kiartan aren't even in season one. Leah Fritch is our boy and we're, you know, he's our number two character and he's, you know, he's in it, but he's not largely in it. He's Mm -hmm. in it, then he's not. He's in it, then he's not. Ragnar, everyone loves Ragnar. He's gone for three episodes, four episodes. Ubba, like, it's crazy how they develop these characters in eight episodes and make you love them and then, you know, obviously kill them or or lead to season two. But it feels like eight episodes is like three seasons, the way that this show goes. Yeah, it does. Perfect to jump off of what you're saying there, Jimmy. I feel the same way. Maybe it's the knowledge of season two, but Hild is only in it for two episodes, oh, too. Yeah. And she gets introduced at the back. She's Brian. She's the nun that they rescue. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The short-haired nun. Oh, I, I liked her, yeah. with Hild. That's all She's I'll say. She's the best, dude. I love Hild. And you're right. Like She was in it probably, probably had 20 minutes of screen time in season one. And it was already a memorable character going into season two and stuff like that. They make the most of their appearances. Even in the pilot, we were all talking about how we were pissed that the original Ragnar wasn't in it anymore. And his dad, Raven, like oh, Raven was a I man. fell in love with King uh, Ethelred, like Alfred's older brother, because he was a great king, too. I would have loved like five episodes mm-hmm. of them being able to counsel and tit for tat off of each other because they were mm-hmm. both just strategists that were like really on the same page about how they wanted to shape England. Uh, but he died. And this show, of course, is about the rise and the difficulties of Alfred. So like that was awesome. But Demi, I, I, I <laughs> Demi, Jimmy, <laughs> I, to- I totally agree with you. They do a great job of developing these characters. The one episode where they go to Cornwallum, that was just such a good episode because it was such an aside, I feel like, for Uhtred of everything else that was going on in Wessex. And then he just deals with this dude, Scorpa, who is in one of the Irish kingdoms. And we kind of get a glimpse at how those kingdoms are compared to like what it was like at Winchester. And they have these actual castles and their king was like sitting in a barn. And then they go to that castle. And Luke, this is another depiction of like the weird numberings because Mm -hmm. they literally had a garrison of like 40 people Mm -hmm. and they just needed to beat like 25 Danes that were occupying that small ass Ford and yeah. just seeing them ride up like those numbers were real. That was such like a small skirmish. Mm-hmm. And those things probably happened all the time way back in the day when there were just like 40 men that lived in this area and 40 men that lived in this area. And they just met up and fucking scrapped. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's wild. And they just had sharp objects. Like they had like wooden pitchforks, not swords. Like, 
it's crazy. Mm -hmm. The depictions of it is so good, but that Cornwallum episode was, oh my God. And just, I think we did talk about it in the pilot, how the lack of arrows that were being used. I feel like they upped that a little bit. Yeah. That became a tiny bit more realistic. Shout out to the guy that was sick with the bow and arrow who could like just drill shots. Yeah. I don't know if you remember who I'm talking about. He's in, he's in episode seven, right? Yeah. He's the, when they're in the marshlands. Yep, in the marshlands. He was such yeah, when a he set he's setting the trap and he's just like freaking yeah. Even it's before that, we see him snipe a like a, a bullseye. The deer, yeah, 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 yeah. The deer, 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 yeah. yeah. Uchi's like that, too far away. Is that bow and arrow guy the same guy that like you know the guy that they find in the marshlands and he's like a 16-year-old squire by himself who has the horses? Are they the same person? No, no. Okay, but that guy is a named character. Yes, he is. And I'm not gonna say anything. An, else. I like it. Yeah, yeah he was man. funny. I almost just age. said it, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he had. Does he have a name yet? He did. He was like Gildan or something. Halleck, right? Is that what you just yeah, said? Yeah, Halleck, yeah, Halleck yeah. is the guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got it. Yeah, I, I feel like it. the scent he said is some way different, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, continue off of uh, for the character development. For me, the only like three characters that I absolutely hated were the only characters that really didn't have character development for me. So. I, other than that, every character let's from like do this. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's hear your hot takes, dude. Well, okay. Some of them probably won't be hot. Number one least favorite character was Young Oda, Young Oda, without a doubt. Like, <laughs> okay, well, so yeah. glad he got his justice. He was fine early. He on. He had character development of being a douche. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Ne- so net negative, and then next one is obviously uh, Alfred's wife. Like she's just Tales always, with. always anti Uhtred and just is always she's the most evil part like whenever she talks it's very evil sounding hey man and she's all it's like it's God all relative dude. it's Jimmy's all girlfriend. relative dude leave her alone fuck that bitch yeah, and it's all relative and then last for me is Ethelwald. like fuck that kid boom that's well, the that's the character yeah, I, no, I you need to for. yeah well there was only right. one scene that obviously he was hilarious and it was like i love tits <laughs> yeah, i love yeah. small big Oh, dude, the line where he says, I don't know how many women I've been with, but you just divide it by two of the amount of tits I've I've (laughs) But we can get into we can get into Ethelwald in a second, because I did want to know what your guys take on him was, because he has the character development or whether you want to say development. I don't know, but he gets fleshed out in season one and you do know about him. But yeah, Ellsworth. She's relative based on like whose side you're on. Yeah, you're supposed to hate her, obviously. You're Uhtred's homie. So you, she's against Uhtred and she's just the worst. So, yeah, I mean, she's very hateable. And um, who was your other one? Young oh, Otta. Young Otta. And he's another one. Going back to what I was saying about how so much shit happens in this season. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not saying something from another season. But the whole plot point where. Alfred is thrown out of Wessex and the and the Danes control it and he's in hiding and young Ada is like making the deal with Scorpa. And then Ada, he's he's like another Stannis kind of guy right now where he's just like, you know, everything is for Wessex. He literally has the scene where I thought it was awesome. Alfred's hooded. He's cloaked up. He's in the background. No one knows he's there. Young Odd is going and he gets caught up in this speech that is totally against Alfred and totally Ooh. against the king right in front of Uhtred to Uhtred's face, right in front of Leofrich, who both were about to show up to say Alfred. is Well, they do say Alfred's alive and he's like, F that. I don't care. I don't care yep. what you say. Going back to what I was saying in Pitchtown about it's all hearsay. You know, Alfred's the man because he wants to write stuff down. 
back in the day, you could say whatever the hell you want. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's getting caught right in the middle of saying Alfred sucks. Alfred's there. And then Oda stabs him, his own son. Oda, the elder, knew exactly what he deserved, and he gave him the easy way out. Now, let me ask you this. I question, love Oda I? the Elder. I think yeah, he is yeah. a fucking homie. He's, I just fucking I think he's a great he's got advisor, a sweet scar basically. across his face. Yeah, and like, I mean, really but, but here's the question I want to ask you guys, because, you know, he's alive. So, you know, we, maybe we'll see him in season two. So it's not like he died or anything. But my question here is when I was rewatching, I don't think I noticed it on my first watch. But as young Odd is giving his speech and he's saying, you know, Alfred's Alfred's dead, or even if he's alive, he he abandoned Wessex, and who who gives a shit about Alfred? Ada's looking around, and he sees yep. Alfred in the crowd. So, do you think he did that because he saw Alfred in the crowd, or do you think he would have done it anyway because he's his son's a traitor? I was gonna counter all this. There was a lot of Ada love in here, and I was about to crush it all a little bit because he's a question mark for me on whether he's good or not. Because, like you said, Jimmy, I picked that up too that. It felt like that he was just going to watch, let young Ada say what he had to, had he not seen Alfred in the sense that he would have let young Ada just do his thing in order to maybe for his own personal gain as well. But I was getting those vibes that it's like, I don't think this guy is killing his son because he's spewing traitorous things. I just think he's killing him because he knows Alfred's in the room and this will look good for him if he just kills his son as a traitor right now. But I could have been overanalyzing it. I mean, it's fair. That's why I'm asking. I mean, I, I asked. I'm I, keeping I, a he's he's on my watch as a, like a villain. Like, I'll keep my eye on him. I don't trust him in too much right now. I, <laughs> I like him. him. I don't care. I, li <laughs> I liked him up until that moment because the way when he like when Uhtred visits him on his like de deathbed, essentially, and he's like, you did Alfred well today. Like that. I loved that line. I felt like that was a good, wholesome moment. But then this one moment has me kind of taking a few steps back for Ada. I think he's loyal to Alfred. So I think when Oda the Younger was doing his speech, he was disagreeing with everything that was being said. But if he thought Alfred was dead, I don't think he would intervene on Oda kind of trying to to take some sort of a throne for himself. If Alf Alfred was dead, seeing him in the crowd, knowing that he was hearing everything. I mean, yeah, that is what made him kill his son because there was no other option. Oda the younger yeah. was going to die. If Alfred heard that he did the merciful thing and just did it right there. He probably wanted to ask the father, uh, but no, uh, to answer your question, if Alfred was not in the room, he probably would not have killed him because mm -hmm. he wouldn't want to kill his son unless he had no other option. OK. And again, that doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean he's a villain, doesn't mean he's still not all for Wessex. It's yeah. just, you know, what it is. Most hateable character of the season. And he got his like comeuppance real early. So that was good. Did not want to see his fucking face in season two. He literally plotted in any way against Uhtred. He was plotting with Ethelwald at some point trying to make Ethelwald king because he knew he could control Ethelwald. He loved Mildreth, so he was all up in Uhtred's shit about that, not giving the, the bride price and, you know, messing with all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, the way that becomes the trial by combat is all on out of the younger, too. So that guy... He's not he's not doing it for me. Yeah, fuck Con him. Convince me on Ethelwald then, because okay. I really Well, don't. yeah, let's talk about Ethelwald because I think he's 
probably, I guess, unless we want to talk more Breed and Ragnar, they're no, he's one I, of the last ones that we haven't talked about who then, was throughout the entire season. That well, we we got to talk about Alba too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but all right, let's talk about at the world real quick because. I guess how I took it was when he got introduced, I just thought he was going to be pure evil doing it like cutthroat, doing anything he can to get onto the throne. Like he would poison people. Like I thought mm-hmm. that's the kind of character he was going to, he was going to be. And then he showed, he's as this season went on to me, I felt like he just started having more depth and a lot of the depth was very hateable, but I still think he was more complicated of a character than what I thought he was going to be. And I just like his back and forth. He is like the jackass of the show and pretty much every scene he's in, everyone hates him. He's like this fucking loser guy who's always like talking bigger than he is. But at the same time, like he hasn't really been shown to do pure evil and he does do stuff that is against directly against Uhtred, but that's also a lot of that's just situational. He's, he doesn't like hate Uhtred and he's going to do everything he can. So like, I kill mean, for him all we king. know, for what we've seen from season one, for the most part, he respects Uhtred. Exactly. It's, and, you know, it's just that if Uhtred's not on the right side is what he wants, then he'll go against him. But really, he he likes Uhtred and he says it a few times. Mm hmm. I just think he's a giant baby. Like he's constantly <laughs> asking for the crown. Like he's just like, it's, it's mine. And it's like, dude, look at yourself every morning and see the, like the piles of horse shit you're laying in every morning. Yeah. Like you are not a fucking King. So I just can't get over that. But a second moment that I actually really loved of Ethelwald was when they're around the fire, kind of plotting about where they're going to attack with like how the one river looks like a leg. And he's like, mm-hmm. Uhtred looks at him. He's like, Oh, you're not as stupid as you see him. He's like, you know, that's kind of how that's I by want, design. Like, I like playing the fool, a, like a smart fool rather than just a straight up fool or straight up smart guy. So his please. biggest yeah, well, thing is he shows the capacity for growth. And I think that's just important. I mean, he did with not killing Alfred, but still a fool. I think he wants to be a better person. He just likes fucking around too much. Uh, he's good comic relief. Like he he's very clever. Like he knows how to speak with people. And I think he has uh, some capacity for not political the in yeah. the game. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Like uh, he's interesting, what's the man. He's got a, he's got some, he's got some personality traits that are interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, at the end when he wears the cloak and kind of goes with Uhtred's small garrison, cause he just wants to be a part of it and wants to get his sword bloodied and wants to fight and kind of prove that he can be a little bit more of a respectable man than just this drunk child that everybody has already labeled him to be like, he's mm-hmm. trying to prove that wrong. And he has had an option to take the easiest way out, stab <laughs> Alfred. He, he could have, he could have ended the war, won it for the Danes, went back and been a proxy King and had a horrible life but he would have lived and probably would have been wealthy for the Danes. He didn't. The one thing that I will say about this show, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that it continues to be maybe not an issue, but something that you really need to think about throughout the seasons is that we really don't get the ages of these characters. You know, it's hard to tell mm. how old they are. Like Ethelwald himself, if you want to say he's like real young, okay? Like, first of all, his dad is the king and he's dying and he knows he's going to die. And out of the younger for all of his being a POS and us not liking him. He did have a good idea telling Ethelwald, dude, go to the sick bed, say that your dad on his dying breath, whether he says it or not, wants you to be king. And Ethelwald's like, damn, that's a good idea. 
I'm going to go get freaking hammered and pass out and, <laughs> and sleep with the pigs and then wake up and come into the room and my dad's dead and then proclaim that my dad said I should be king. And then everyone said, oh, really, bro? He literally proclaimed Alfred like 15 times. If he's like a kid who's like 15 or 16 or something, okay, whatever. But if we're supposed to think he's like in his 20s and he did that now, I just think I don't like the guy because he's dumb. And then you need this character development to you know, really character development to make me like him. It's tough to see because you don't know how old he's supposed to be. You know, you don't know if that's an age thing or if he actually is just like selfish and doesn't care and just got hammered and, and whored himself and, you know, and then woke up and showed up and his dad's dead. He wanted to be king so bad, but he doesn't do the plan that he knows he should have done. I just think I'm going to hold out hope that Uhtred as a man is a good enough role model for him that he's just going to, he's making him better because of how Ethelwold sees Uhtred. And I think that is the case for a lot of characters around him. I guess a lot of the non-religious characters, I should say, that don't care that much about that. But I'll agree with that. I'm always rooting for someone to make a, a turnaround. You know, I'm not rooting actively against this guy. I just, I, just right now, he's not. Yeah, I, I think you're supposed to think like that. I'm just saying that there's room for growth there and just. Always rooting for it, man. Always rooting for it. Is there a way? Dave and Brian and Luke that you could like Els with. Do you think there's any character development or growth in her that would make you like her? Or do you think that who she is in season one is who she is until she's not on our screens anymore? I think she is so pious. That's not changing. Like she is always going to keep her faith. I think she will have to be a little bit more flexible on how she interprets her faith and kind of start thinking the way that Alfred does and not taking it so black and white. Like we can't do this because we're not supposed to do this period. End of story. Alfred kind of looks for some wiggle room and uses his faith as a way to bolster himself up and make him stronger. It seems like she is just blindly praying you know what i mean yeah. like she, mm -hmm. she has to be a little bit more malleable in her beliefs for it to happen i mean i got ahead of myself and looked it up on imdb she's going to be a big part of this series it seems like so yes i have <laughs> to believe there's some potential for growth there yeah, or, or, she uh, just be the villain forever. or just potential for a better haircut like that's it <laughs> because you're asking the question it's making me think that there's also a chance that that we will well, come let me to just like say, her in some way. Yeah, let me just say luke the reason i'm asking is because the three people that dave talked about were ada Ethelwald and Aylesworth, and we were talking about Ethelwald maybe having a change. That's and true. And Aylesworth is the only option because Odd is dead. Yeah. So I was wondering, was wondering if she could have a change, if you think she could, or if she's just straight up unlikable. I'm going to put it on the board that I think I will never like her as a character. <laughs> okay. Put that shit on the board. Put it on the board. Dave? I just think she needs a little more exposure to uh, the Danish way, or at least specifically Uhtred. <laughs> a lot of the people that we've seen who yeah. have not liked Uhtred have come to know him as a person, not as just a pagan or a Dane. And yeah, that's true. You just need more exposure to understanding that these people are also people. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to agree with Luke, though. I just think there's no hope for, for me ever liking her. So I'm going to also pin it as... She has no hope. <laughs> I think we uh, yeah. end this with talking about the climax Ubba. of the season, I would say, in episode five and Ubba and stuff, and yeah. then we can get out of here. That sounds good to me. Yeah, one of the biggest things that we were talking about in the pitch town, and this is going to lead into you know that big episode five with the fight with Uhtred and Ubba, but the realism of these fights. And we have the first 
episode coming in hot with this battle scene and we were talking about how gritty and real and almost awkward it seems because of how real it is. Now we have a couple other scenes like that throughout this season. One of them being this other scene, the other one being Leah Fritch's death. I mean, you would think that someone that we love so much, this this warrior would have like this crazy like death. But really, it's shield wall. And it's how a death could happen in real life. Got and he, poked. It's, yeah, he got poked and he died. Yep. And it's like, yes, it's heroic because of who he is. But it wasn't like what you would think from one of these big shows. But Ubba, awesome throwdown with Uhtred. Spoiler alert, like talking about the realism, like Ubba's winning against Uhtred. But were you expecting a sword to slice the Achilles of a man? Ooh. That one, oh, I'm like, man. I'm shivering right now just thinking of it. Ugh. That that was very reminiscent of the Viper and the Mountain Man. That was yeah, except yep, except yeah. the correct way, <laughs> the way yeah. you want it to go. But dude, I brought this up on the pitch town a lot. I was asking Brian and Dave if we thought Utrid was going to be like the top warrior, the top fighter in the world, basically, or if it's going to take a more realistic approach. And it clearly does make a lot more sense that Ubba would have been the stronger of the two fighters. And I, I really mm-hmm. like how it went down. It was a jaw dropping scene and everything that led up to it was just so badass of Uhtred just single handedly taking out a fleet for Alfred. And this is like when he's finally deciding if he's really going to lean into being for Alfred. So it was so pivotal and it was just right smack in the middle of the season. I, I thought this was the best episode and this was the best moment. I instantly texted you guys and then yep. skip ahead two weeks when Brian's watching. I think he texted, oh my God, this episode five. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, man, that that fucking episode was incredible. And it made me like on the spot. I'm finishing this season, this series, no matter what. And right. that scene alone was just was jaw dropping. It was incredible. I just remember looking at his ankles getting sliced and I just looked away from the screen for a second. I was just I had to process that. That was just so it was so mm-hmm. gory. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was realistic in the sense that we had seen Abba as this very confident in his skills kind of person he was huge never had really faced defeat before so when he had the the better of Uhtred in that moment he's looking around at his boys like this is what you want kind of thing and Uhtred gets that one moment of being able to grab his sword it's real man I mean of course you're Mm -hmm. gonna boast especially to someone that you actively dislike how Abba dislikes Uhtred and rub it in their face that I'm just gonna murder you in this moment and Uhtred took a great advantage in that moment and the fight was so well done i was it was i couldn't believe that Ubba was actually going to die i really thought he was going to slice the ankles and then maybe like kind of run away kind of thing but to when he put the finishing blow in there i was my jaw was on the floor yeah you 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 tear your achilles you're out for like a year <laughs> what you need is surgery you slice those makers, things dude. bro not yeah, right? makers. <laughs> apparently i gotta say rip Ubba, that actor insane such a good portrayal that dude was crazy uh but upper was an awesome character that battle sequence was so cool the scream he let out when like utrid got the good shot like right into the side of his leg it was like blood curdling i think the best part of that episode though was the anxiety that i was getting uh, because Oda the Elder was put in charge of the troops and Oda the Younger was whispering, we can just retreat. We can save everyone, fall mm-hmm. back and meet up with Alfred's men. Like we, we can all Oda. win. Oda the Elder, like 
at this point in the series, it was a coin flip. I did not know which way Oda the Elder was going to go. And that's a credit to how they wrote that character up mm-hmm. unto that point, how he, it was a little ambiguous where his allegiances lie. And he trusted our boy Uhtred and boy, I'm glad he did. But like just seeing the shield right after Abba yeah, is taken man. care of and he's about to like go at everyone else. And then the shield wall, I think it's Leo Fritch is just like shield wall. Mm, yep. And then he's just like, we'll take care of it from here. Our sling and yep. Utrid just like falls <laughs> back. I was like, I was cheering. I was like, <laughs> let's go. Oh my gosh. I'm getting hype again. I can't remember being that into a single episode and rooting with all of my might for a character like Uhtred against Abba and that Danish army. I swear, man. Yeah. And going back to that fight, there's two things that I noted. And the first one is when Uhtred says to the death or first blood and Abba is literally just like, like he's like, are you freaking yeah. kidding me? But then the other badass thing is that Uhtred straight up says like, bro, you're in your undergarments or underclothes or whatever the hell they call them back then. <laughs> and Uhtred takes his armor off and matches him. That's yep. our boy being a badass. Like he Peace. matches him in his regular clothes, shield and sword. Here we go. And bringing it to the realism and to what you were saying, Luke, is he going to be the best swordsman? Is he going to be realistic as just a great fighter, but not like Jamie Lannister before his hand gets chopped off or whatever mm-hmm. it is? I mean, Leofrich, that fight, too. Like, Leofrich would have probably won that fight, too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know because it, we didn't finish, but it gives us that realism where, like, Ubba was going to win. He had the win. And then he got distracted for a little bit. And this is how real life situations go in these kind of fights. He got distracted and Uhtred ended up winning and killing him. The Leofrich fight, who knows what would have happened. But Uhtred is not, he doesn't have that plot armor. I like that he's in that tier of he's a great fighter, not the best fighter. You know, that gives us a lot of room. Like he will handle fodder very easily, but if he has an extraordinary foe, you know, it's going to be a hard fall battle. And this isn't much of a spoiler at all, but I think as season two goes on and like time is passing, I think he's getting even better, like oh, subtly yeah, yeah. because of the real world experience he's getting. He's yeah. living through these battles and fighting these named warriors. So it's actually, he actually is getting slightly stronger. And as you know, we're rooting for him. Like you feel more confident when it's like fodder and stuff than you did in the beginning. Right. But to add to another badass part and correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be mixing this up with something in season two, but I oh. thought I'm almost <laughs> positive at the end of the fight, right? Like after Uhtred has him and he's about to kill him, does he not put his weapon into his hand? Yeah. That's so fucking epic because that is so important to them. That's Respect. that's yeah. like it's yeah. so fucking important for them. And the he, fact that he respected Abba enough to do that, even though they were beefing as hard as you could be, that was just such a cool moment to end that fight. And to go Agreed. off of that, the to emphasize that moment is when they bring the body of Abba, Abba back to the church, and they're like, "We're gonna, you know, send his weapon out somewhere else or something like that, burn his body." And Uhtred's like, "No." Like mm. we want you bury to, him with his weapon, with, yeah. with his weapon, send him in the way that he wants to go. And they respected his wishes because at that point in time, Uhtred had enough street cred to get what yeah. he kind of wanted. And Abba was amazing. And, man. Abba was I the mean, highest. and that's 
Yeah, that's him. Like Uchir literally says, like the closest the Danes ever had to a king is Ubba. Yeah. While we're on the topic of Danes, just want to quickly shout out Scorpa because I thought his character design, while he didn't last mm. long, I thought Scorpa's character design was really cool with the blood in the mouth constantly. Yeah. When he bites the dude's throat, gingivitis, man. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that, it must have been. Yeah, he must but have when, some yeah. crazy ass gingivitis. No, the Viking he, shields are so cool, and Scorpa yeah. specifically, his tribe had some dope designs. Yeah, he rips the throat out of that one dude with his teeth, and I'm like, okay, well, that's why he always is bloody mouth. He's just a cannibal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now let me just finish this episode. We're going a little long, obviously, but I do have to say quickly, we'll talk about Brita and Ragnar in the way where, again, this is a situation where we get some talk of them in episode one. Brita sticks around with Utrid. We didn't really give our opinion of her. And you guys can, if you want, based on how her trajectory with Utrid goes. But Ragnar disappears for a while. But the big thing that happens at the end is that Ragnar and Brita were both a part of the army going against Wessex. And they get imprisoned as part of the surrender. And I just want to say, you know, we don't have to talk too much about Ragnar yet. You know, obviously he's alive and he's in prison and he's going to have a part in another season. But I thought the scene and the episode where Uhtred is imprisoned or whatever, he's a hostage in Guthrum's camp or in the fortress, whatever you want to say. Yeah. And he knows it's pretty much like. I'm not going to get out of here. Like, this is awful. He's throwing down with like the fodder. Like we're saying he's winning, but then he gets caught up and Ragnar saves him. Ragnar, our boy, he saves him. And that's the cool thing about Uhtred and Ragnar, where throughout the entire season, whether Ragnar gets that much screen time or not, you see that they're on opposite sides much of the time, but they have that brotherly love and respect for each other. Much like, you know, him and Brita don't have anymore. Uhtred still loves Brita, probably more like a sister at this point. Brita mm-hmm. turns into like, I hate you kind of deal almost. But Ragnar the whole time keeps the respect, knows that when Uhtred says, I'll be with you when we take on Kjartan, he knows he's telling the truth. And we get to look forward, hopefully, to Ragnar and Uhtred tag teaming up in the later seasons. That was a big wish of mine from the pitch town was I do not want them to beef at all. Like I wanted Ragnar to keep that brotherhood. And so then Luke, you were probably loving it right away when Ragnar says, did you kill my father? Yep. And then they hug each other. I like, thought that was going to be a theme for like an episode or two, but they they knew they were too tight. I love the PCD at the end, the prison cell dab. He, he visits Brita. <laughs> he visits Brita. She just shuns him. Goes over to Ragnar, so they just get a little dab each other up and they're still boys <laughs> yeah. after the war, like touching my heart. But to go off of that for season two, it'll be interesting to see where Ragnar now falls into this. Like, will he start to slowly accept the Saxon ways, kind of like how Uhtred has, even though he doesn't want to be baptized again? He still is following them to a degree. Um, I wonder if Ragnar will become that open or if he's still going to stick to his Dane ways and... I don't know. So I'm, it's a question I'm asking myself, even Brian, if you want to a- answer that question, you're more than welcome to. But I just love I love Ragnar. He was cool. Burita was meh for me. She was nothing special. Ragnar was cool in the pilot for sure. Other than saving him in the fort from certain death, which is big. I'll give him that. I'm not sure how much Ragnar actually did and how blindly he's just going to follow Uhtred going forward. Dave, I think he's going to be pretty resilient to 
taking on the Saxon customs. Hopefully he can carve out a nice slice of heaven in Bebenberg once they take it over uh, together. But I don't know. Yeah, Ragnar is cool. I know he's Uhtred's brother and the love is still there, which is good. They're both looking out for each other. So I, I'm I'm cool with Ragnar. Breed up. And I was defending Brita in episode one. I was just like, nah, nah, Uhtred's too hot headed. She's level headed. My God, she just trended immediately down. <laughs> she is just so unpleasant, bombastic and just like the most obnoxious person in every room. And she has done nothing to earn it. She's like sitting on the Danish war councils. I'm like, why is Brita in this room? She's not a warrior. Like, what is she adding here? She's like Ragnar's side piece. And I don't want to like completely eliminate her like i'm not i i don't absolutely hate her i just think she she was not a top like, five she's not a bottom five i mean she's closer yeah, to the bottom five than she's she pretty top, close though. to the bottom five based on what she, i just think she was so obnoxious and it was so unearned mm-hmm. uh so i i don't know Brita. i i hope okay i know what it was is when she was still with utrid before the time skip she was like so blatantly opposed to the Saxon ways when they're both in a Saxon prison cell. It's like, Brita, ease up. Don't spit on the guard or anything, okay? Like, yeah, just right. keep your fucking mouth shut and let's get through this. But no, she had to do that. Um, and that's all I had to say about her. I think she put she's a going to... up do- Story's ass. Yeah, she did. No, she's cool. Like, Brita, Brita's... <laughs> <laughs> but she's not cool. But she is. Uh, um, uh, yeah, she's middle of the pack right now. I think mm. she's going to be important because I think Season two is going to be pretty big while Brita and Ragnar are imprisoned to start out. And hopefully Uhtred gets Alfred to give him the thumbs up to go help take back Bebenberg. I think that's where we're heading. And, and Brita's going to get a lot better. I, I can envision. I don't know if you're being hyperbolic or not, but it's more than just a side piece for for Ragnar yeah. and Brita. And that's going to be <laughs> relatively important. I was being hyperbolic. Okay. They seem to care. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, and I do like how they have this conversation where it's like Ragnar is like, "Yo, Breed is with me now." Not that I even need to like ask you, but are you go yeah. with this. Like, yeah. it's just funny how it works because that's just the way that it is with the Danes, where they're just like, mm-hmm. you know, all right, you guys are done. Breed is with me. It was and an acknowledgement like, no, of the bro code. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. just like thinking about our whole conversation, these like hour and a half, whatever it's been, like it's been so much raving and. The show, it, it just is right up our alley. Maybe we're used to a little bit more fantastic and like supernatural shit. But like, honestly, man, the acting, the writing, the character development, the world building is all just exactly what I look for in my shows. And granted, it's it's the genre I love the most, too. Just like medieval shit like that. I, I just think all around like this was such a good pitch down. And I from what I read, season two is a highlight for the fandom. So I think that's mm-hmm. a lot to look for for you two guys. I loved Season two, I thought the middle was so fucking good. I've never been <laughs> yeah. pressing like play fast <laughs> for the go. next episodes. I might have even seen the first episode of season three, but either way, like we got to fucking crank this out so I can keep going. I know me and Jimmy have been waiting. Oh, yeah. My last little bit of praise I'll give to it as we close the episode is that of the medieval quote unquote like fantasy shows that I've seen, um, Britannia, Game of Thrones, Witcher, and this, to be honest, of those four, I would say this was the second best first season out of those four. And I really enjoyed all four of those shows. Like it would be Game of Thrones, then this for me, then maybe probably Britannia, then Witcher in terms of season one content. Oh, true. Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's tough, man. I think 
I think Wheel of Time as of right now would be a little bit ahead of this. A okay. little bit. Okay, so it would be number two. And it could still go under it, Game of Thrones, though, you're saying. Yes, I think yeah. Game of Thrones season one was still the best of this kind of genre that I've personally seen. Any lasting thoughts, Tagsy? Hype for season two. Like I said, but there's a pretty defined path to a cool struggle in season two with what they set up in Bebenberg. And I'm so excited to return to Bebenberg because it's, <laughs> it's a fun one to say. King yeah. Alfred or Uncle Alfred in, in Bebenberg. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Uh, Uhtred, son of Uhtred, dude. Mm-hmm. Kidding oh me? My God. I want one on the board guest from both of you of someone you think will die next season. Alfred. Uh, B-Zom's just the uncle. Yeah, I think the uncle will die next season. Uh, Kjartan. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. Okay. Wait, let's go. All right. Let's go back to this conversation for one second. Kjartan and Sven versus Alfred. Do you think that we're going to get a resolution? Who's going to die first in season two or knowing what we know from season one where other shit gets fleshed out? Do you think they'll survive season two? I can't answer. We're talking about Kjartan and Sven, right? Versus Alfred. Like, who do you think? Same question we did on Pitch Down. Yeah. I think Kjartan and Sven are more likely to be able to slip away and just run away than Alfred is. He seems to be like he'll fall with Bebenberg. So I feel like they might take a whole season to take down Alfred and then it'll be like, ah, oh, no, Sven and Kjartan got away. Season three. Okay. Maybe uh, not. I don't know. Maybe they just run train <laughs> through, through his tiny ass farmstead on the way to <laughs> Alfred. And that's like episode one, season two. Kjartan's head is on a pike, man. It can go one of two ways. I'm then there's door three. What's door three, dude? What's yeah, door what four? They, <laughs> four? They march south and they start taking France. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I, I feel like his uncle would be a, a bigger villain to me. I don't know why. I don't really have a reasoning behind that. I just feel like it would be. So I think it, more likely than not. He's got a bigger scope, like Bebenberg yeah. being his domain versus Sven. Like that's been his goal is Bebenberg from episode one and his uncle's been there. So I could see them pushing that to season three. But I'm just going to take my chance and say that I think he will die season two and that Sven and Kjartan will get away. But I could see it being vice versa. Know what I'm confused about, though, is he should have Alfred's favor now that Wessex is secure and safe. Couldn't Alfred just be like, here, take the entire English army and go like get Bebenberg? Like he should have King Alfred's English muscle to help him find out. Back yeah. <laughs> Unless Alfred's still being a dick. I, uh, I, man, I, you know, I am pressing play on season two, like right when we get out of here. Hell, All right, yeah. but that was, a, that was a quick hitter. And obviously, you guys both picked villains there. Now, give me someone on the good side, or even if they're neutral, like give me someone that you don't view as evil. That you think could die? Uh, Aleswald, uh, Ethelwald, Ethelwald. Okay. okay. So right <laughs> now, on my guess of a good guy. Oh my god, I don't think Bianca is going to be long lasting. If I'm going to be honest, I don't think he's <gasps> the gonna homie. Make it. I unfortunately he's got the sorcerer's stone, dude. He's freaking <laughs> unlimited. I unfortunately don't think he'll make it through all five seasons. Just the little fire that he had against um, Scorpa, the Lord of War. Yeah, Scorpa. Made me kind of think he's going to bite him very, in the ass. Yeah, he's a little <laughs> reluctant, not reluctant to throw away his life. So I'm writing just, checks his ass can't cash. I'm a, little, I'm a little worried for him, but let's hope that's not the case. All right. Well, all I got to say here is I texted Luke right away. I went from pitch town right into season one, right into season two. We hit season two and I just went. My text was like, quote, oh, my God, I forgot how good season two was. This is ridiculous. So 
guys enjoy. I guess that's it for us today. That was a fun episode for us. We literally loved the Pitch Town episode so much that we decided we were going to be doing season one, season two, season three, season four, leading all the way up to season five coming next month. And we are going to, of course, cover the movie when it does come out. But we do have something special in the works for you guys. Last Kingdom related. A special guest will be coming on to the pod that will probably be in the next week or two. So stay tuned for that. If you like what you heard, you guys can find us at BingetownTV.com, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all up at Bingetown TV. If you want to support the pod, we have a Patreon at BingetownTV.com. You can find it there or you can find it at Patreon.com slash TV. We have two tiers. The first tier, if you just want to support the pod, a couple bucks a month. Thank you for keeping the lights on. If you want to support the pod and get some exclusive content, that's five bucks a month. Exclusive <laughs> podcast episodes, exclusive video interviews with the celebrity guests that we have on, usually unedited, plus a lot of other great stuff, guys. And we are going to be pushing really hard on this Patreon in the next couple months, adding a lot of great content. Again, that's patreon.com slash TV. All right. Once again, we are Bingetown TV. And thank you so much for listening. No mercy. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.